Master in Music. I am Petronella Torin and I hope you're doing well. I like to say thank you all for listening. It is a pleasure to see that Master in Music is reaching ears all over the world. Thank you for listening and please if you want to share something or give me some tips on which guest to interview or feedback don't hesitate to write me. Write me on my website at swedishcellist.com or on my Facebook page at swedishcellist Petronella Turin. Today I present for you the second amazing episode from Rutesheim special. Rutesheim is a village in Germany where Rutesheim's cello festival is taking place every autumn right to my birthday. The applications has just been open for this year's festival and what better way to celebrate this than an interview from the eminent professor Claudio Borges. He's a soloist, a chamber musician, a teacher and very good at table tennis. One of Rutesheim's champions, if you ask me. I was very nervous to ask him to participate in the podcast. I mean, it's almost too good to be true that he said yes. He is not only an awesome cellist, but an awesome person as well. Claudio studied with the legendary cellist Boris Pegramesikov. On his way to become a great cellist, he has succeeded in a lot of fantastic competitions, like the Rostopovich competition in Paris, the Shakovsky Youth competition, and he achieved three awards in the Pablo Casals competition. Marta Casals Istumin presented Claudio Borges with first prize, a special award for best chamber music and also the use of Casals' Goldfried Cello for the period of two years. He also won first prize in the international music competition in Geneva, an achievement that started his career as a soloist. Today he is part of the competition, but as a member of the jury. He is also professor and has taught at the Music Hochschule in Stuttgart and he is now appointed to teach at the Hochschule for Musik Hans Eisler in Berlin. Claudio still wins a lot of prizes and awards but these days for his CD recordings. He has also made a soundtrack by Paul English to the film Ten Minutes Older The Shallow, which was shown in theaters worldwide. He travels the world and plays as a soloist with orchestras like the Wiener Symphonic, the Tokyo Philharmonic Orchestra and the Los Angeles Symphonic and many 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 more. Now we are going to listen to his latest release, the cello sonata by Johannes Brahms, with his friend and colleague on the piano Peter Nagny. Opus 99, Sonata in F Major, Allegro Vivace. Enjoy!
Welcome to Mastering Music, Claudio. Thank you. Such a pleasure to have such a celebrity in our podcast. <laughs> so you are here in Rüttersheim in Germany for a cello masterclass. That's right. And you work very hard. And a lot of concerts, a lot of students. I was trying to get uh, five minutes with you and the students was in a big line <laughs> just to talk with you. It's amazing. Yeah, this uh, Cello Academy Wuttersheim is a very special place. There are many masterclasses around the globe by now, but uh, Cello Academy Wuttersheim belongs to the ones who have not only masterclasses, not only concerts for the students, but actually we teachers also perform even in two functions, one in recital form and one form with orchestra even. Yeah? So that's really quite makes the whole schedule even more busy than usual. Yeah. And uh, so the evenings are all packed with different activities and then there is an exhibition with violin makers. And so it's a big, big convention, I would say. Yeah, it's a little bit like shallow heaven, I would Yes, I would say. Absolutely. You agree with me. <laughs> really cool. And uh, you released your new CD. That's right. Recently, a wonderful CD with Brahms, Sonatas. Thank you. Yes, it took me a while. I mean, uh, I was hesitant to record the core repertoire of cello because I felt for myself personally, I need uh, enough time, enough experience, stage experience, and maybe also life experience to tackle those kind of big, big masters. And uh, when I hit the 40s, which I did by now, I felt ready enough to make the first attempt. And especially because I also found a wonderful partner with my Hungarian friend and colleague, pianist Peter Natsch. Yeah. He has been my colleague in Stuttgart for several years when I was still teaching there for a couple of years. And we have worked now over seven years. And after then, we decided to make the first CD and now we're planning also further ones. Okay, so what is the most important thing when you choose a partner, like in a duo like yours? Mm, I think it comes usually natural. There are many fantastic world-class musicians, but sometimes like in human relations, either you click or you don't. And uh, it's not necessarily uh, the quality which is then relevant for making that decision. But sometimes we are lucky to find the right person to the right time. And it happens to be also a genius. So for me, Peter Natsch is an incredible genius person and even most inspiring musician. And then thirdly, he's a pianist. So yeah. That's very rare also, because sometimes uh, you find a lot of instrumentalists who are very busy with the instrument, but uh, Peter is interested in uh, every single note and the content and the composers. So he's a real witty, wonderful um, musician. Cool. So take a coffee with your partners before you start playing, maybe. So you <laughs> get to know the personality yes. first. Well, Peter Nash is so... Uh, Drinks tea. Enormously <laughs> witty that he told me once he, when he drank an espresso, he was awake for three days. Oh my so God. he himself is so awake by nature. It's <laughs> incredible. I definitely need coffee. and uh, But it's right. It's always good to have a good relation personally mm -hmm. because the, the subjects we deal with, it's all about human values. You know, it's love, it's uh, despair, uh, tragic moments in life and so on. This is all uh, part of the daily life of a musician when we work with music of Bach, Beethoven, Brahms. And how long time, like how much time did you spend on the CD? Because people just hear the one or two hours of music in the CD, but how much time did you spend? Like, Well, the actual recording was done within three days. Wow, that's really short. <laughs> yes, that's relatively normal. But 
nowadays at least. Uh, but the preparation time, as I said earlier, took us seven years. Yeah. So we played it seven years before the recording for the very first time. And then we noticed, wow, we really uh, can work with each other very pleasantly and also can tackle and challenge each other. And uh, what I very much um, appreciate is that we both can experiment and try things out. I mean, we are already quite long in the on stage, so to speak, and there could be also the tendency to say, okay, that's my way and that's how I play. But uh, then the another approach is to actually always remain curious and to say, okay, today was that way, but what about looking at it from a different perspective? Of course, not just uh, for the sake of it, but with substance, of course. And then, So you would say like uh, curiosity is a key to success? Absolutely, yeah. definitely. I mean, this is definitely also one of the core aspects which my teacher Boris Pegamenchikov gave me and lived it as an, ex- as an example. And curiosity is um, certainly the key to, to, uh, to success But uh, we have to define success also, you know, I mean, one side is, of course, the the fame Mm. and on the other side, there might be also your own artistic satisfaction when you understood something by one of these masters. And sometimes it comes together and sometimes it's less successful, maybe from the outside. And I would definitely say that, first of all, look at yourself. First of all, work on yourself as genuine and honest as possible. Find the good partners and then then usually don't look for success. It usually should come naturally because otherwise we are more like athletes looking for a record or something. That doesn't work in art. The curious aspect is something which will enrich you for life. And then life will show you where you will find. Do you have any good like practice tips? Like do you practice a lot or... Yeah, well, practicing, uh, yeah, well, I'm often asked if I like practicing and I do actually just physically. I like mm. the physicality of the instrument. It's rich in bass. It has high soprano range and the vibration directly on the body. It's yeah. wonderful. Right into the heart. Yes, absolutely. So it makes me feel better, definitely. And But when I start my day, and uh, I would always indeed start with a scale, just also for regulating the bow arm, for seeing where are the notes today. We don't have a key where the right note is. We have to always remember a little bit, but also remember the good feeling about it. So that's my main goal when I warm up. And in my class, I always suggest that we have yeah the normal scales, arpeggios, uh, double stops in form of thirds, sixths, and octaves, even slowly, maybe slurred two or three or four of them maximum. It doesn't have to be fast. It's better to be precise rather than speed. And um, then also to change the tonality. Depending on the level, you can change once a week or sometimes you can change every day or maybe depending on the piece you are working on. Because ultimately, I think that's definitely a key to success, to learn pieces. The composers use exactly that. Arpeggios, scales up, scales down. The shifts are um, yeah, in a range, in a range like arpeggios, sometimes bigger, okay, but yeah. more or less if you are I'm confident if you spend a year practicing all scales, ups and downs in all combinations with all the double stops, 
I'm sure you can play all the repertoire after one year. You will have 75% of the exactly. music already absolutely. in your little pocket. It's exactly. like putting money in the bank. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because then the instrumental part is basically more or less solved. And then it's about the content. And as always, the last percent is always the hardest to achieve. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a challenge. Yes. And um, to do auditions. Like, I know that you did a lot of competitions mm. and you're also in the jury sometimes. So mm -hmm. you're on both sides. Do you have any good advice yeah. for the scary <laughs> competitions? <laughs> yes, I guess nowadays it's almost impossible to avoid them. I mean, uh, I think a competition can be a barometer for your own uh, nerve system, so to speak. Because I think at some point when you reach a certain level, you can reach a very, very excellent level of cello playing and also music music playing. But then when you're on stage comes the nerves. So what do you do when you get nervous? So the, in my case, I was very lucky. I was blessed with not a very high sense of nervousness. And I don't know why. I remember when I was a child, I was thinking, oh, I have to become nervous to be a good musician. And I even tried hard <laughs> once. I remember it was ridiculous. But uh, then later I noticed, uh, ah, I see it's just a personal tendency. So in other words, you have to find out for yourself that there are, there are great musicians, super famous, let's say, Marta Argerich, for instance, mm. she's still super nervous. I know that her manager and she, her manager must actually literally push her on stage because she's such, such a stage fright. Once she is on stage, she feels comfortable, mm. but to get there. You know. So it has to do with a lot with your own psych, uh, psych, psycho analysis because, yeah, in yeah, a way. Yeah. Yeah. I try to find a natural approach and when I give advice to my students, is I think when you get nervous, it's a sign that you're not prepared enough or not well prepared. And so if you are well prepared, if you did all what you were supposed to do and all you, the scales, all the scales, <laughs> if you take some test performances, whether mm -hmm. it is in front of a big audience or even just for friends or family, that counts. Yeah. So let's say you do three or four or five of these performances before the actual competition or, or audition. Then you have a certain preparation which you can say, well, I tried my best. And then if you did so, then go and try to give your best. Yeah. And even if it doesn't work immediately or you do a wrong note, try to forget it immediately. Look forward. Nobody's perfect. And and then I, being as a jury member, I noticed that perfection is not always the key to, to success. Uh, it's more the conviction which is the key to success. I've been mm. seeing that very often that sometimes there was one talented guy who you could see, wow, he has so much to offer and is so convinced about what he's doing. Whether it might be all correct or not, this is a different question, but it was so convincing that it actually convinced the whole jury. And that's really an achievement. So whether if you try to be perfect and you hit all the notes, but it's not much content, it's not as convincing. So, so as I said, um, be patient with yourself. Try to have realistic goals at the beginning. Try to work yourself up. In that sense, it's a little bit like sports, mm -hmm. like a sports mind, I would yeah. say, not, not the athletic part, but the mental part. That um, with so, time you get to, it's like looking in the mirror. Small goals and then you have more achievements in a yes. positive way. record yourself, also video, yeah. to see uh, how bad was it really. Because mm. sometimes the perception, uh, what you do when you are on stage and you, you do a um, mistake, so to speak, 
for you it's a catastrophe. Then you listen to it in a recording and then you're surprised it's not that bad actually. Yeah. Or that mistake wasn't a mistake, you know, maybe mm. it was, you just didn't feel comfortable. Okay, sometimes there are obvious mistakes, but uh, the self-perception is way heightened than someone who is listening from the outside who doesn't know you. So that's yeah. also something to be aware and that's you have to train as well. So it's a lot of, um, as I said, mental training about getting to know yourself better in different situations. And the better you know yourself, the better you can maneuver it. Yeah, and, that's really uh, cool. Because yeah. I do a lot of mental training with my students, mm. um, my small ones. And uh, because it's quite, uh, it's not so often people do that, but I'm Swedish. So I really like to um, like use a lot of sports mind psychology. And mm. I don't want my students to uh, practice uh, too long. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to narrow it down, but it, when they practice, it has to be really good practicing. Mm-hmm. So they don't repeat mistakes and stuff like that. They only mm-hmm. practice good stuff. So it's good that you say that. I'm like, yes, brilliant, confirmed brilliant. by the master. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you mentioned short practice. The great Leopold Auer from the Moscow Conservatory mm-hmm. back uh, eight founders Siecle, he was also saying that uh, that I mean, Russian school is seemingly uh, famous for practicing 12 hours a day. But the origins are somewhere else. The Leopold Auer saying it's 20 minutes is the heightened concentration span we have. Yeah. After that, we need a break. Yeah? Yeah. So it depends what you are practicing on. Of course, I in my life and I do practice more than 20 minutes in a row. But then I realized, yes, well, now I focus on something maybe mechanical. Well, and But if I really want to work on music in an inspiring way, mm. then one has to watch closer. Maybe I do 45 minutes and then I take a little yeah. break just to try out things. But it's true. Should not underestimate. I'm, I imagine also like you have a very busy life. You have a lot of students, you play a lot of concerts. It's a lot of traveling. So I imagine that you don't have the time to sit 10 hours and just, oh, I'm going to practice 10 hours every day. It's like, it's not possible in the kind of life. You have to always be like in somewhere's place and then travel there. And like here you're studying with the students all the day and then you have to play a concert. So it's like very fast. You don't have that time anymore. Maybe. Yes, that's true. Well, there are periods of time. Yeah. I mean, uh, right now, of course, we have to be very efficient. Mm-hmm. And I try to squeeze uh, an hour here between uh, lunch break and the next yeah. session. And sometimes I have to then stay a bit up longer. So I've done that all. But it's true, then one has to be more efficient. But in my study times, I have been practicing really day and yeah. night. And that's the time when you should use the most amount of your energy because first of all, physically, the older you get, the less yeah. um, memory uh, will be possible. So yeah. even to play out of memory is the best in the first 25 years. To do that as much as possible, then also to practice and learn um, physical movements. Do you have any tricks for learning uh, things by heart? Mm-hmm. Tricks, I don't know, but... Uh, a method maybe? Yeah, or... yeah, I think... If I have to learn something by heart, then of course I go like page by page. Mm. And um, if, uh, yeah, I would say then after a while, after I learned the piece, let's say it takes me, let's say, three to five days, depending Mm -hmm. on the length and difficulty. Then I try to practice one day with score, one day without score. One day with score, one day without score. And then I notice what, uh, until when can I manage actually. And there's a moment when the finger memory, knows where to go better than my brain mm. or at least which is not true because brain you know, fingers are controlled <laughs> by the brain but that's how it feels yeah mm. uh, that i follow my fingers wow they know where they go and um, <laughs> and sometimes i'm like wow, where did it go and and then that synchronizes more and more until i understand and 
then of course uh, it's good uh, to spend some time also without the instrument to read the score and to imagine how to play it. And imagine doesn't mean only how it sounds, but actually how it feels mm. physically, literally with the fingers and everything, without moving. So that you can do also in train yeah. rides and in the metro, anywhere. Yeah. And so that's very helpful to have also a picture in your mind. Talking about picture, there's also photographic memory. Mm. I'm not so good with that. I know more or less where I turn pages and stuff like this. And of course, there are certain scores who I know so well that mm. uh, I see them literally in front of me. Um, so if someone has that, that's great. Then you have basically... Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> cool. I'm going to make you give advice to a person, like three advice. One to a person in the music school and one to a person in conservatorium. And mm -hmm. one tip to a, a person who is after conservatorium, uh, semi-professional or, or professional. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the music school. They're a music school st a student. What tip do you have for them? So that means they're very young idea, yeah. yes? So I think main important thing is you should enjoy what you do. And uh, it's like, you know, when I was young, I loved to play soccer, for instance. Mm. You don't think about why you play soccer and what for you're playing soccer, you're just having the joy of it. And mm. I think in that age, when you have joy with music or with a certain instrument, then try to always remember that, that I do it because I really enjoy it. Of course, there are moments, also in football, if you do it properly, but you have to train, you have to do certain things when you maybe want to relax. And so the daily practice is definitely a part of a musician, even when you're very young. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you have to be, as we just mentioned, for hours there. The regularity yeah. is important. And um, when you're young, yeah, try to find maybe also from your same age the possibility to play together. Mm -hmm. Do early a little bit of chamber music. It doesn't have to be too big, but just to have you know the experience of not being totally alone. Go to concerts, go to opera, yeah. enjoy also this uh, music. So you have something to aspire. Maybe one day I want to be in an orchestra, yeah. or one day I want to be a soloist, or one day I want to be in a string quartet. Something like this. Yeah. So I think this is a very big influence in that mind. I think nowadays there are so many possibilities also to see that. Uh, in in, uh, digital platforms. The Berlin Philharmonic has the digital concert hall, which is amazing. You can actually literally see them live. I think the New York Philharmonic does that too from time to time. So you have really the best orchestra of all. And uh, why not? So that's for the music school yeah. students. And the conservatorium students. In conservatorium students. So they are, what, teenagers, I guess. Yeah, yeah like, I think they can be from uh, 15 to 25, sort of. Yeah, or or okay. even uh, older. Yes, sorry. To 30, maybe. Yeah. I see, like students. Well, basically, the same applies to uh, conservatorium students, like for the music school students. But then I think uh, one step further would be to take it to is to have always a bit of time on the side to read a good book about oh. a certain subject. For instance, one of my most influential books when I was literally a teenager was um, the book from Nikolaus Hanonkurt. Ah, oh, Music as Speech, I think it's the English title, I don't remember. In German it's Musik als Klangrede. Okay. And uh, so he speaks about the, the declamation, the rhetoric speech in music. Yeah. So because sometimes with cello we are, tend to think, think that, oh, this is the 
instrument which can sing so well and then sometimes we forget yeah it's not only singing we can also speak yeah. or declamate yeah. yes and this style is very uh, characteristic in baroque music but also in classical music even into romantic music yeah it's not only just long lines but sometimes it's also really declamation and that book is fantastic it's so inspiring it's yeah. so alive yeah. there's another book which i would also read as a teenager leopold mozart's violin school oh, yeah. Even for cellists, it's very useful. Besides, yeah. there is also Carl Philipp Emanuel Buch, Bu uh, sorry, Bach, <laughs> Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach's book, über die wahre Art des Klavierspiels, about the true art of playing piano, which is, uh, by the way, an incredible fun read in terms mm -hmm. of humor also, because that book was also conceived actually not necessarily for professional musicians, but actually for amateur musicians of that time, which is great for us now, because we can look what were the manners what were the how do you trill how do you do that mm -hmm. and in between the lines you always see yeah you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that in a very very fun way i don't want to spoil that so, <laughs> and uh, so that's uh, part i think of the study to uh, find the balance between of course intensive practice on your own instrument but look left and right and what i mean with that is go to concerts go to operas read some music history yeah. books or music scientist books and um, last but not least chamber music of course yeah like philosophic approach as well oh absolutely yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. i mean this uh, the reason why we have these pieces are mostly based on philosophical thoughts yeah And for a person who left the conservatorium, who is uh, doing all the auditions and competitions and maybe maybe working also as well, what would yeah. you say? Well, that's of course very personal and very different depending on uh, where then life takes you as a musician. And um, so I have in my friends a lot of orchestra musicians, I have also string quartet members, I have soloists, uh, conductors. It's very interesting. The, in many ways very different, but in many ways also very dissimilar. We are all normal human beings, we seek all the same, we want to have some kind of happiness, we want not to be lonely. Mm. So I think uh, I can only wish, uh, it's not an advice, I can only wish that everyone finds a good family, mm. good partner, good environment, good friends, and I think that's what is important in life. And uh, and music is a great tool to communicate with people and to make friends as well. And uh, it's a very universal language, which can make also international friends very easily. I notice it now, they go very often to Asia. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's hard to connect uh, with words, but then mm. we rehearse and then we notice, ah, that's what you mean, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so music is a wonderful, wonderful vehicle for that. And um, so, yes, wishing basically ongoing success and, yeah. of course, uh, to uh, be blessed that you can actually live off the music. And if not, there are many other ways you can teach. I teach too. It's part of a cellist's life too, besides mm -hmm. of solo and chamber music. It's very rare not to teach, but I enjoy it also because uh, you have been given so much by wonderful teachers. It's great to keep sharing that mm. for the next generation. So. They also say that you don't know things completely un un uh, until you can teach it. It was a quote I heard. Um, that's true. There's definitely some truth. Or I would say that I learn a lot while teaching also yeah. for my own sake. Because first of all, I see it from a different perspective. Mm. I analyze different problems different aspects, I repeat a lot, and yeah. these pieces uh, is a life life task to yeah. learn 
for life. Okay, thank you so much. And if we want to follow you, where can we find you? <laughs> you have Facebook? I do have Facebook. I have a website, a Facebook. I have, I'm relatively new on Instagram. I yeah, try to okay. do my best. Maybe I should do one right here. Anyway, so, <laughs> so yes, you can find my CD also on all digital platforms yep. like Spotify, Deezer, Idagio, I don't know what. Yeah. And um, so, uh, yes, I try to be uh, up to date. And, um, so we can go on your name just on Instagram or yes yeah okay Chloe so Walker's chest yeah okay yes. there there we find you and it's the same name in Facebook it is yes yeah I actually follow you already so I know <laughs> <laughs> I just ask you to <laughs> get get our listeners into the, because you have a really nice Facebook I, I like it thank you a lot of nice um, photos when you are hiking also as well true so you're also active and gesund yes yeah. I try I try take care of you yeah. So we can follow you there and thank you so much for being here. I will let you go now because I know you will work more. <laughs> they you. have a very nice evening. And good luck with this podcast and uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Monster.